all week, but excitedly anxious all week to share a message with you that's directly from my heart. It's a story about moments, a story that I'll share that part of my life and part of my dad's life, and a story from Luke chapter 15. Every time I see that video, I think of my dad. And as I unpack this story today, I think you'll see part of it. You know, the song, it said, I've had my moments, days in the sun, moments I was second to none, moments when I knew I did what I thought I couldn't do. And you know, there are times in our lives that we've had moments, and I believe that our lives are made up of those moments. Moments when you're not certain, moments when, when you're not sure. I had some funny things to say, but I just, I don't feel them right now, you know. We come to this place where it reminds me of my life without Christ, and it reminds me of my life with Christ. You see, I remember moments before Jesus where I felt like that young man on the bridge. And then I remember moments with Jesus where I felt like that old man on the bridge. And so, as we take these next few moments, I hope that we will understand the moments that we've been given are sacred. These moments that we have right now are moments that are sacred. And I hope that we don't miss the moment. Let's not miss the moment because we're not comfortable with the moment. There are moments when you're uncomfortable. There are really good moments. There are bad moments. There are sad moments. There are funny moments. There are tragic moments. There are holy moments. And there are moments of triumph. And I can tell you this week alone, just with the Care Fest and the Revival, we've had every single one of those moments. There are moments when you really thought that you couldn't do what you could do, and then God does something. See, I grew up, we didn't have a whole lot. Martial arts was something that just wasn't feasible for me because of our socioeconomic background and because of my father's uh, struggle with addiction. And so Black Belt Theater was my training, if you will. But I remember back in 2008, after 15 years of training in the martial arts, because once I gave my heart to Jesus, God gave me the opportunity to not just do taekwondo but also to use it as a ministry to win many people's lives and i remember as i was driving across the howard franklin heading toward my master testing that's a fourth degree black belt as i was going across there i remember as i was driving i uh i i i had told my wife i don't know if i can do this you know uh, there's so much that's involved in it and i know it's been 15 years of training but i don't know if i can do this and i remember uh, after, after the test, it was all day, fighting, all the other things. You had to fight multiple opponents. You had to fight three on two, and I mean three on one, and, and you had to, to, to just survive a certain amount of time. You had 17 forms, and all of there's so many things that go into it. And uh, I remember I called her from the, from the uh, parking lot, and um, when I called her, um, the phone rang, and she's like, well, did you do it? 
And it was in that moment that she asked me that I realized, yeah, I did what I thought I couldn't do in the power of Jesus. And, uh, and so it was really quiet. So she's like, I'm going to guess that that's you not being able to speak and that you did it. And my answer was, yeah, I did it. <laughs> so I remember back in 2008, one of the worst mo- ministry moments of my life. I remember being in, in uh, Atlanta and we were at a conference. And I remember while I was at that conference, there was... Um, there were everything that I had experienced, I had experienced rejection upon rejection upon rejection for opportunity. And I remember there was a moment where the devil lied to me and he said, you know why that you're not going to ever be a senior pastor is because you're just not good enough. You can't be trusted. And uh, I called my wife from the park and I left the staff, the staff were in there, they were laughing, they were having a great time. I left the restaurant and I went out in the parking lot and I said, it seems like I spent a lot of time in the parking lot, right? And uh, <laughs> I called my wife and I said, honey, you know why, um, you know why uh, this is, I'm, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And uh, she said, um, she said, well, first off, who decided that? And then second off, I said, it's just because I'm not good enough. Uh, I'm not worthy. I'm not trustworthy enough. And she's like, who told you that? You know, and, uh, and I said, I just know it. And she got a holy anger in her. And she's like, that's a lot. But in those moments, it's those moments that you do things that you don't think you could do. And then it wasn't but a month later, November, I'm packing groceries for a community here in St. Petersburg that we were feeding Thanksgiving. And while I'm packing, I'm by myself packing these boxes. And as I'm packing these boxes of food, the Holy Spirit just says, the name of your church will be City on a Hill Church. And I just was like, what happened there? It was a holy moment. I can't explain it to you. God didn't show up. Gabriel didn't show up. This didn't show up. You know, oh, this is, by the way, to call my mom and tell her I'm preaching. You have to wait. That's going to happen a little bit later on. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I'm sitting there, and, and so the only guy that I knew that was close enough for, to tell was Pastor Chuck Richardson. So I went into Chuck's office. I said, Chucky. And, uh, and he said, what's up, Mike? And I said, um, man, I, I got to tell you something, but it's, I don't know when, I don't know how, I just know God just told me something. I said, God told me that the name of my church is going to be City on a Hill Church. And Chuck, he, he smiled and he looked at me and he said, Mike, you're going to be a great pastor. There's a moment. Now, I had to treasure that for 18 months until it was God's timing, but I treasured it. I remember silly moments. If you can believe this, somebody actually locked me in a donut shop. (laughs) Dangerous, dangerous. We're in Shipley's Donuts. Anybody from Texas, anybody watching from Texas right now knows Shipley's Donuts. And uh, my wife and I walked into there. We were just going to get two donuts and just sit down and relax. And we sit, sit down and relax. The guy behind the counter says, hey, man, I got to run out real quick. I'm going to lock you in. Help yourself. You should never do that. Ever do that, right? And so Lorena and I just looked at him, and we really didn't want to be disturbed. We had our two donuts and our little thing of milk, and we're like, you know, okay, just lock us in. He says, if anybody comes, just wave them past. Okay. So we're sitting in the donut shop. 
he locks the door and leaves and we look at each other and then we finally realize we're having a Seinfeld moment. <laughs> we're locked in a donut shop in Texas and we can't get out. At least we knew we wouldn't starve, right? But it's those moments. I remember another sacred moment that I've shared with you so many times and, I, and you'll hear it until the Lord takes me home. My little niece and nephew, they just turned 12. You know they're the apples of our eye. 12 years old, twins. We love them with everything that we have. And um, I remember when it looked like my, my little sister couldn't have those kids. And that's all she ever wanted was to be a mother. That's all she ever desired. And, uh, and God gave her a moment that said, he settles the barren woman in her household and makes her a happy mother of children. And all I had was that as I sat there in that hospital room with my sister, knowing they had just taken her last viable fallopian tube. And all I had was a moment where I had to decide, am I going to have a faith moment? And I told her, I said, this is all I know, that God says he settles a barren woman in the household and he makes her a happy mother of children. And you're going to have kids. I said, that's all I know. And um, it wasn't but maybe less than a year, they, uh, they did uh, in vitro fertilization and they, only could get, they could only harvest two eggs because there was so much damage that had taken place. And both eggs survived and that's where Shaley and Carlisle come from. I remember. I remember looking, looking down in that, in that little heat lamp and she looked like a little rotisserie chicken in there, you know, a little red skin rotisserie chicken. That's the only I could put her in my hand like this. And I remember having that moment when God said, I'm a promise keeper. I'm a promise keeper. And I went over and they held little Bubby up and he was like this, you know, and he was mad too, you know, and they held him up because he had, was in the NICU for a little bit and he's mad and he's hollering and they said it's good for him, you know, and he's still hollering today. But anyway, um, I remember looking and I just remember saying, God, man, you're a promise keeper was in that moment that you realize that God does things. And so I shared a few of those moments with you because I truly believe that life is made up of moments. And I believe that in a moment's time, your life can be changed forever. We saw it at this revival. Every night we had people's lives that were changed forever as we broadcast the gospel live in those neighborhoods. What I also understand is we can be here one moment and gone the next. That's sobering. I remember when I lost my dad. One moment I was a screwed up 18-year-old kid, tough on the streets but soft toward my dad, who was an alcoholic, who uh, the other kids didn't really pay a whole lot of attention. My older sister did, but my uh, other, they really just, they, they, they were just so struggling with him. But every night, I called my dad Pop because we watched Sanford and Son together. So I'm Pop, I guess I was big dummy, I don't know. But every night I would kiss him on the forehead and he looked forward to that. I would kiss him on the forehead and I would say, good night, Pop. And I would go to bed. Even, no matter how blitzed I was, no matter what was going on in my life, I would kiss him on the forehead. And if I didn't, he was crushed. Because that was the only time. I remember kissing him on the forehead saying goodnight pop and uh, we had just moved him back into the house because he was living in an efficiency apartment and um and so we were finally got him home my mom was gone and so we brought my dad home and uh the next morning i remember my buddy waking me up and it was a moment that i'll never forget when he said hey man your dad's not breathing and i said no that he's only got one and a half lungs they've taken out half of his lung 
and they've taken out three quarters of his stomach for alcohol, you know, for all of the, all of the ulcers and all. I said, so you really can't see his chest? He said, no, man, I'm telling you, there's something happening. His mouth is sealed and he's not breathing. So I jumped up out of bed and I ran in there and my dad's old beat up recliner, cigarette burns where they had fallen asleep. And I take him and I lay him on the floor and I start giving CPR and I just start thinking, come on, God, come on, God. Even though I didn't know God, I knew God. You know what I mean? And, uh, and we got a pulse, and then the, 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 the uh, and I got a little hope in that moment. And the ambulance, they came, and the EMTs, and they came, and they, they, they got a pulse, and they loaded him in, and I'm sitting in the front of the ambulance, and I remember we couldn't get there fast enough to the hospital. And when we got there, my dad laid for three days, uh, never regaining consciousness. And I would go, and I would sit by his bed, and I would hold his hand, and every night I just kissed him, good night, Pop. And I remember that moment, it was a sacred moment between me and Jesus. And I said, listen, God, I know it's too late for me. I know I've already done bad things, and I know I'm going to keep doing bad things because there's nothing good inside me. I said, but if there's any way you can be merciful to my dad, if you could save my dad, man, that'd be awesome. And I said, Dad, all you got to do is squeeze my hand. If you want God to change your life, just squeeze my hand. And he never squeezed my hand. And then I got the news. Your dad's gone. It was a moment that I'll never forget. Love died that day for me. I should say earthly love because the only person I ever really felt like that truly loved me was gone. The only one who loved me, even at my worst, when I was as bad as a bad reputation, doing everything, and he knew I was doing it all because he was right in the neighborhood begging for beer money on a street corner. But he still loved me. That moment is a moment that will change your life. But the good news is the story doesn't end there. You see, because two years later, after I had had moment after moment like that young man in the video, God stepped in. It was the moment that Jesus found me. Not the moment I found Jesus, but the moment Jesus found me. And he found me, broken down, hopeless kid, 20, 21 years old, lost, trying everything I could to drink and drug myself to death. I didn't believe there'd ever be another moment of love or unconditional love in my life. And then I had a moment of that of clarity, 3 a.m. in the morning, watching television, and a guy said, if you want to be set free, all you have to do is ask. And he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I got down on my knees right in front of that old recliner, and I said, God, I know I, don't, I, know I haven't done anything good, but if you can be merciful, and if you want this life, you can have it. And he took that life. The next morning I woke up, and I usually woke up to a one-hitter, and those of you guys who uh, know what I'm talking about, walked up to it, and I woke up that morning, and my one-hitter was already loaded up, and I just grabbed it, I took it, went out to the uh, cow paddy pasture right outside my house in Dade City, and I flung it into the cow pasture and said, that's where it belongs, and I haven't picked up drugs since that day. No cocaine, no LSD, no... None of those, bro. I didn't even want to take Tylenol for the longest time uh, because God set me free, and he who the sun sets free is free indeed. 
that moment changed my life, and it's still the single greatest decision I ever made in, my, in that moment. It was a moment that I made Jesus the leader of my life, and since that time, my life has been full of moments. My life has been full of incredible... I wish I could tell you that my life has been awesome since then, but no, I have had awesome moments and awful moments. I have had moments where there have been unbelievable heartbreak and unbelievable triumph. So I do believe that life is made up of moments. This is the thing I want you to take home with you today. I want you to remember it's what you do in those moments that matter and our lives are made up of deciding moments that define us. You see, today you have a deciding moment. You have a decision to make and it will define your life and it will define the rest of your life. But it won't just define your life. It will define your family and other people's lives. And this morning I want to I want to remind you of a story from Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, there is a, a son, and, uh, and this son comes along, and as this son comes along, he, uh, he is, it's called the prodigal son. And as he comes to the story, I'm going to tell you the story this morning, the son comes to the father and he says to the father, he says, Father, I want you to give me my inheritance now. Which basically when that boy is telling him that, he's saying, I want you to be dead because I want what's coming to you and I don't want to wait till you're dead. So I wish you were dead. Now in Jewish culture, that father could have had a moment like many parents would have had a moment. And, the, and actually in Jewish culture, he was able to beat that boy, not to death, but beat him just about to death if he wanted to. And, uh, and it says, now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to hear Jesus, and the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling, saying, who is, uh, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he told them a parable. He said, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has a lost one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine and go into the open country and, and go after uh, the one that was lost until he finds it? And when he, found it, find, when, when he found it, he lays it on its shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep that was lost. So just I tell you, just so I tell you, that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who have no need to repent. And then he goes on to tell the story of, the, of uh, the prodigal son. And he says, there was a man who had two sons. And, uh, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Right away, there was an entitlement issue. He had an issue of entitlement. And so what happens? So the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey in the far country, and where he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, everybody say everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. Everybody say in need. So he went and hired himself out. Come on, man. How many of us have hired ourselves out to drugs? How many of us have hired ourselves out to alcohol? How many of us have sold our bodies? How many of us have made decisions that we should have never made? How many of us have sold ourselves out to relationships? How many of us have sold ourselves out in all these different ways? It said he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And as he was longing to, uh, to be fed with the pods of the pit that the pigs ate, no one gave him anything. Everybody say, no one. no one. 
And so, but he came, then it says, but he came to himself and he said, he had a moment. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise, everybody say arise, and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Anybody ever feel like that? And so he says, uh, treat me as one of your hired servants. And he, and, and he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. Everybody say compassion. And ran and embraced him and kissed him. What you don't understand in this culture is men of his stature did not run. He, they walked. But that means he would have had to raise up his robes and he would have to run to his son and every one of his servants and everyone under him would see and it was considered undignified, but he ran to him. Isn't that beautiful? And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and he is now alive he was lost and he is found and they began to celebrate may the lord add his blessing on his word this morning his father had opportunities the son had opportunities here we see right here moments. The father had decisions. The son had decisions. You see, he was in a moment, he was overwhelmed by instant gratification in the moment. And that's how, what gets us most of the time, instant gratification. And so what happens, he wants it and he wants it now. And so that deciding moment defined his life and it took him on a path that you would have never thought. You would have never thought. He ended up in places he never thought he would end up. And that's where sin will take you. Sin will pick you up and take you to places you never believed you were capable of going. Amen. You don't believe me? Ask my father who begged on a street corner across the street from my little sister's school bus stop. So when the children would get off the bus, he'd be begging for quarters so he could get beer. Imagine how my little sister felt getting off that bus, seeing her supposed hero begging for beer money on a street corner. And that father had a deciding moment as well. He had to decide, am I going to honor this son or am I and give him what he wants or am I going to beat the living daylights out of him? But instead, he gave him the power to choose. And I want you to know this morning that God gives each and every one of us the power to choose. If you want to waste your life and spend your life and go where you want to go, you can do that. But God is always waiting and his eyes are always looking, but it requires you to come back. Now somebody can call my mama and tell her I'm preaching. Thank you, Derek and Alicia. The son's deciding moment got him what he wanted, and he began, began to act in ways that defined him. He went from an honorable, peace-loving community son that was well-known and well-loved to a partier, a carouser, a gambler, an alcohol abuser, and it redefined him as a person. He went from contributing member of society to a party boy with no morals and no values. He was living in the moment. I know exactly how that feels 
A lost kid wandering through life with no purpose and no meaning, just living for the moment and hoping you drank just enough this time that you won't wake up, but somehow God makes you regurgitate in your sleep so that you get rid of the alcohol and you live. I remember waking up and thinking so, being so disappointed that I woke up. I thought I finally did it this time. I took enough drugs and I drink, drank enough that this time I won't wake up. I see it in my dad's story. My dad was a good-hearted man with good intentions. Make no mistake about it, he never hit my mother, first off, because she's tough. <laughs> one time, he made one comment that, uh, that he ran his mouth to my mama, and my mama was not having any of it. He got home, he was drunk, he'd spent all the money, he sat down, he said, cook my dinner, and he used the word that he should not have used, and she said, oh, you want your dinner? I'm going to give you dinner. She went over to our freezer. She opened up the freezer and there was a, a piece of meat about this side. looked like a Frisbee. Swing! She sent that thing over there. Wham! Busted him in the head. He about went through the kitchen window and he, he started laughing. He said, I ain't ever going to say that again. He woke up in the morning. He's like, Mike, Mike, uh, what's this on my head? I said, you called mama. And, and he said, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I said, no, you shouldn't have. But he was a good-hearted man. He never hit us. He was not a violent man. Uh, uh, and, and, and the thing is, but his, attra his attraction to alcohol became an addiction. Did you hear what I said? His attraction to alcohol became an addiction. I'm going to say it again so it sets in your heart. His attraction to alcohol became an addiction. He was clean for a couple of years, and those were the best years of my childhood. My mom and dad would have prayer meetings in our house because they got saved. My mom and dad spent three years in the church, and when they were in the church, it was the best. My dad was present. My dad was available. I, he, he was uh, right there. My dad was an amazing cook. I didn't know that because he had spent so many of my younger years uh, messing up, and then in those middle three years they were the happiest years of my life their relationship was good and everything was going everything was going in the right direction he kept a job he paid the bills he cooked the meals but then he had a deciding moment that would define his life one night everybody say one night one night a co-worker came up to him and he had a couple of beers and he had a couple of beers in a bag and he said hey Carl have a cold one with me and my dad, who hadn't had a drink in three years, thought he could hack it. Everybody say, I can hack it. No, you can't. No, you can't. And so what happened is my dad, he grabbed that, he grabbed that beer. He had a deciding moment that would define the rest of the next six years of his life until he took his last breath. He, he, he started that beer and he got that taste. And you know what happened? Within one week, he got caught drinking on the job. He was so drunk on the way home, he crashed our only family car. And that was the last straw for my mother. She filed divorce papers. And after 22 years of marriage, she divorced him. That was it. It was done. It was a moment. The same thing happened to that son. That son... He had a moment that defined him. It redefined his relationship. And he said, I don't even want to be a son anymore. I just want to be a servant because at least the servants are treated better. He was once, he was once a major contributor and now he is helpless and hopeless. His deciding moment defined it that he was now no longer a son. He was a slave. 
I know that feeling because it was fun first getting started doing drugs and alcohol. It was fun until you shook because you needed a drink. It was fun until you, until you had to wake up with a one-hitter just to get the day started. It was fun until all of the, the, the physical ramifications started to happen. It was fun until your nose bled every night. It was fun until all those things happened. And there, many of you in the room know then it happened in the middle of a pigsty. One, one day the boy came to his senses. Remember I told you earlier our lives are made up of moments that determine the future? Well, he had another moment. Can you say another moment? Another. Thanks be to God for another moment. You know, you may have had a few bad moments. You may have made a few dis- bad decisions. But this, this morning you can have another moment. Say, I'm about to have a moment. Now say it like you mean it. I'm about to have a moment. And so what happens, laying there surrounded by uh, pigsty and surrounded by pigs and muck and longing to eat what they eat, he came to his senses and said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to beg for mercy. I'm going to go back. I won't even ask to be a son. I just want to be a servant. So he headed home and he's rehearsing it the whole time. As he's rehearsing, he's thinking, when I get there, I'm going to do this the same way some of you guys were coming to church, the same way some of you guys are watching on YouTube and Facebook right now. And you're thinking, I'm going to tell God all this stuff. I got to make deals with God. God's not interested in your deal. Did you notice that that boy didn't get a chance to give his whole spiel? The boy, the, the father was like, listen, just stand up, stand up, get a robe for my boy, put a ring on his finger, put some shoes on his feet. My boy was dead. Now he's alive. I ain't got time to hear it. He had a moment. It happened. And that moment would define the rest of his life. Take the time to get that deciding moment. The story records that the father was on the porch waiting. I want you to know this morning that the father is on the porch. He is waiting. He is looking. He's looking on YouTube. He's looking on Facebook. And he's looking in this room this morning. And he's waiting for that familiar walk. You see, there had been many times that other people have been coming over that hill. But finally, he sees that walk and says, wait a second, I know that silhouette. Wait a second, I know that stride the same way a mama would know your baby's stride, the same way a father would know your son's stride and say, oh no, that's not just anybody, that's my boy. I got to run off the porch and Jesus left heaven, Jesus ran from heaven to earth for you and for me. Can you say amen? He came running willingly and he picked us up and that's just what that boy needed. He needed to be accepted. And I know exactly how that feels because here I am, a screwed up kid, broke down, ashamed, ashamed of what I'd become. My own mother, and I love her, and she's probably watching. She said, I only have one son. His name's Carl. I had done so much bad stuff, so many evil things that she said, I only have one son. But not today. But not today. That deciding moment is where God changed everything. The moment that a lost son was found again. I know how that feels to be found again. Now here's what I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you that my father's earthly life had a happy ending. But you already know how it ends. My father's deciding moment, it defined the rest of his life. In the last six years, he fell deeper and deeper into his addiction and depression. It led to divorce of the only woman he ever loved. His addiction was so bad, it led him to begging on a street corner for beer money. 
In 2006, he died in 1988. I found a letter in his wallet. The letter in his wallet was a letter to my mother, a letter of repentance for all that he had done, saying, please forgive me. I didn't have the courage to open his wallet until from 1988 to 2006 when I finally opened his wallet. Then I opened his Bible and found the letter of repentance to God. You see, the last three days of his life, the last three days of his life, we brought him home from a rehab center. And he was clean. And as he was sitting there, he thought my mom was coming home. He thought mom was going to come home. We thought we were going to be a family again. And he was cooking and he was cleaning and he was my dad when Jesus was in his life. And for three days, he, he just loved and he just kept thinking, I'm going to get the house ready because Birdie's coming home. And he died thinking Birdie was coming home. Mom never got to read that letter while he was alive. Those moments took him to a place that he never dreamed of. It's hard to believe. When I was at my dad's funeral, there was a song that played in my mind over and over again. It was a song that said he stopped loving her today. And I want you to take the next few moments, and as you listen to this song, I want you to think about having a moment with God. These are very personal pictures that I'd like to share with you. He said, I'll love you till I die. She told him you'll forget in time. As the years went slowly by, she still prayed upon his mind. He kept her picture on his wall. Went half crazy now and then, but he still loved her through it all. Hoping she'd come back again Kept some letters by his bed Late in 1962 He had underlined in red Every single I love I went to see him just today Oh, but I didn't see no tears All dressed up to go away First time I'd seen him smile in years He stopped loving her today It placed a reef upon his door And soon they'll carry him away 
stop loving her today You know, she came to see him one last time Oh, and we all wondered if she would And it kept running through my mind This time, he's over her for good He stopped loving her today It placed a reef upon his door And soon they'll carry him away He stopped loving her today When I hear that song, it takes me back to that moment. I had another moment in November of 2010. I was standing at my dad's graveside, and it was overgrown. And there was dirt all in everything. And I knelt down, and I had a bottle of water, and I had a pocket knife, and I started to cut away. And I started to pour water and clean off his nameplate. And God said, isn't it awesome that I can even clean up names? You know, this morning we started with a video. And it was an old man that walked onto a bridge to save somebody's life. And I like to believe that this morning my dad, my dad's story is like walking up onto that bridge right now for you and me. And he's saying, man, maybe it may not look it now and it might not know it, but I've had my moments. And maybe some of you guys are here this morning and you feel like you can't get up. I want you to know that it's in those moments that God will help you do what you think you cannot do. I tell you the truth from 30 years of experience. You're not going to be perfect. You're being perfected. In 2010, I wrote a poem for my dad and I printed it out for you. I want to read it to you and then as I wrap this service up, I want you to take just a minute. The moment's called sometime, I mean the, the poem's called Sometimes Heroes Fall Down. He sits alone in a one-room flat, putting pen to paper, writing things he regrets. Tears stain the pages as he pours one more beer trying to find forgiveness for 20 wasted years. He knows in his heart that it won't be enough. Words without actions are like diamonds in the rough. How can he make these words come to life, trapped in a room alone with his vice? 
The S on his chest is now faded by his disease. Alcohol like kryptonite has brought him to his knees. Sometimes heroes fall down and they can't get up. With no help from above or the ones that they love, caught between heaven and a life full of hell, when they take their last breath, all there is left is a sad story to tell. Sometimes heroes fall down not seeing the help all around, always lost and never found. Sometimes heroes fall down. He's found a room in a low, he's found in the room on the face on the floor face down, empty bottles and cans litter the ground. Once a boy, now a man reaches down to lend a hand. He lifts up he lifts him up to his bed, wipes the blood from his head. A few more hours, most likely, he would be dead. Once this boy heroes once this boy's hero, now the shell of a man. Hard lessons learned from slow death in a can. He opens his eyes slowly and says, I want to go home. But the home he longs for doesn't have an address. It's just a quiet place where his weary soul can find rest. The pain of shame now on his face is shown. His greatest fear is dying alone. He's found his way home, no more to be alone. Back with the ones that he loves with a little help from above. He finishes the letter with a clear hand. A clear head folded neatly in his wallet, meaning every word he said. A kiss on his forehead, one last goodnight pop. Last words he'll hear till he makes his last stop. He bids the world goodbye from his favorite chair. It resembles his life, beat up and broken and left in despair. His last three days go by fast. There's not enough to make up for his past. The only woman he ever loved never gets to see the letter. They don't kiss, they don't make up, or make everything better. Lowered into the ground with no stone to mark his grave. A monument to a life marred by mistakes. Sometimes heroes fall down and they can't get up. With no help from above or the ones that they love. Caught between heaven and a life full of hell. When they take their last breath. All there is left is a sad story to tell. Sometimes heroes fall down, not seeing the help all around, always lost and never found. Sometimes heroes fall down. I want you to hear this morning by way of YouTube and in this room and by way of Facebook, sometimes heroes fall down. And maybe you're one of those heroes who felt down. I don't want you to be the one that's not seeing the help that's all around because help is here today. This is your moment. Take that moment. Let this be the moment that you open your eyes and see the opportunity that is right here in front of you. Your moment that can define the rest of your life is here and it's now. Thanks be to God that the generational curse of alcoholism was broken by God's grace, and I didn't have to end up like my dad. Everybody said I would, but I ended up like my dad, my heavenly father. So now is the time and now is the opportunity that you have to make a decision. Could this be your moment? Could this be the moment for you? And my answer is yes, because here's what I know. We're not promised any more moments. This is your moment. 
Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this day and we thank you for the opportunity that we have. We're asking you, God, just to touch our hearts and touch our lives. Father, this is our moment. I pray for everybody watching on YouTube, everybody watching on Facebook, and everybody in this room right now. Father, if there are people that need to repent, if there are people that need to call upon you, Father, we, we break the bonds of addiction right now. In Jesus' name, we declare that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. You're still the God who saves. You're still the God who delivers. And you're still the God who heals. And I'm asking you right now, God, to break every chain this morning. We're asking you, God, to set people free according to your ability and your will. But I pray that they will come to their senses right now, have a moment of clarity, and step into that relationship with you if you can hear the sound of my voice this morning and you say that's me this is my moment i want you to acknowledge it to god by saying with your own voice to god god i need you god i can't live without you i'm tired i'm broken i'm hurting and i choose to give you my life I choose to ask you to forgive me. I choose to ask you to change me. I know that I'm not perfect, but I'm going to be perfected. So Jesus, I believe and I receive you now. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, I ask, and I believe. And all the God's people said, amen and amen. Can you give the Lord a hand this morning because he's a good God?